You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get paid. Another episode of the NRL All Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back here for the Super Coach TLT episode for round 22 of the season. How quick the season has gone. We had the first week of head to head finals last week, which was either awesome for some teams or terrible for others. But hopefully, the, a lot of the listeners that did lose got second chances. Obviously, overall, is massive final month on the straight now as well. Uh, to join us tonight, have someone who came on the podcast last year, hasn't been on the podcast yet for this year. So it's a 2022 debut, although Brad's been on before. Brad Huxley finished almost top 10 last year. Welcome on board, Brad. Glad to have you back on the podcast for this season. Cheers, Barnsley. How's things? Yeah, Brad? not too bad. Just getting on that home straight on the final month, like I said. But more importantly for you, you know, you were, you finished 12th last year, was it? Uh, finished 11th almost last year. Yeah, yeah, so close. 11th last year. Got the tracksuit box. Oh, it's it's good end. that they sent out the tracksuits to the 11th spot. It used to just be the top five and then the top 10 and so forth. It's uh, it's it's nice that you at least got something so you can show people that you're not lying about it. But how are you finding uh, this season? How are you going this season? And what are your big differences between like last year when obviously you slayed it and finished 11th and how are you going this year? Um, so this year I'm sitting in 378th. Um, so going pretty well there. I mean... Uh, not quite as well as last year, but um, yeah, still still traveling on pretty pretty well. Um, I guess yeah. I mean, I sort of started quite poorly this year. Um, I think after the first round, I was ranked around fifty thousandth or so like that. Um, and then yeah, um, just sort of being clawing my way back and fighting back to get into a reasonable enough position this year. So yeah. That's a pretty good spot to be in. It's, a, it's nothing to sneeze at being ranked there. Have you sort of got a goal at the moment on, on where you want to finish overall or something that you've been aiming for? Um, I was more aiming for like um, sort of top 1,000 this year and then I was also playing a lot more um, cash comps and stuff in the head-to-head. So um, a little bit more focused on, I guess, that this year as well. So not um, like still a precedence on overall because it's nice having a nice ranking next to your name. But um, yeah, a little bit more head to head as well this year. Yeah, I mean that is really hard to balance. I think from when we were chatting last year, you were really focusing on the on the overall um, rather than as much head to head. So it, it is a really hard mix, isn't it, to try and go well in cash comps, which are obviously going to pay you money, but also balance it out with uh, getting a nice rank as well still. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest with you, um, with the ranking that I got last year, I, I didn't necessarily sort of um, think, because I mean, there's obviously a lot of things throughout a season that need to go your way, um, capacity choices, injuries, all sorts of things. So um, I wasn't necessarily um, planning on, I guess, being even as high as I, I am. I mean, I'm more than happy to be there. Um but yeah, I mean, because as you know yourself, I mean, you know, you can get cruel by four or five injuries in one week and it could be all key positions. And then it sort of um, really, really can put a, quite a dampener on your sort of season, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's been, a, it's been a couple of weeks of that where, you know, if you had Nathan Cleary and Mitchell Moses, you, you really copped it. Um, teams traded in some, some players that ended up going out straight away, like Amini and, and others. Like last week, Jerome Hughes was a popular buy and, and now he's out. You know, it's it's been a real bad two or three weeks. It's it sort of, it feels really bad, but it kind of 
when you think about it happens at the end of every year, we just seem to get this gluttony of really important um, player injuries for super coach. It seemed to happen that final five or six weeks, which is always the time that people don't have trades left too. So there's certainly some team builds that would have just been absolutely spewing. And, you know, the worst team build would have been the team build that actually had Cleary and Moses two weeks ago, but then decided to trade one of them to Hughes. Uh, would It would just be, it's that's so cruel because that's going to be, you know, four trades now that they're going to have to spend. And a lot of teams only had two or three trades two weeks ago. So, yeah, it's it's really tough at the end of these seasons. Uh, we are going to do a quick round review as well. So why don't we just jump straight into that? Uh, but before we do, for those that are listening, maybe for the first time, uh, this is a Supercoach episode. This is only about Supercoach. This drops for TLT. We recorded on Tuesdays, drops on the Wednesday. But we do have the Talk and Footy episode this week. It's going to be a great one with a lot to talk about in rugby league, as always. That one's only rugby league talk. We talk about all the current issues, all the current uh, topics, all of the things that are coming up, but also some past historical stuff too, which is always a lot of fun, especially about old players and things. So this week, it's always out on a Friday sometime, so you can hit up that one as well. But last week, Brad, it was an interesting one because obviously it was the first week of head-to-head finals. And it was almost like the super coach gods knew that it's the first week of head-to-head finals because all these massive scores came back. We haven't really had it for a few weeks. It's been a bit of a dry patch and there was all these massive scores, and they're all from really popular players. So it was sort of a, a massive shootout round, which is a lot of fun. There were some huge scores last round, bigger than what I've seen for at least a month or more. Latrell Mitchell, 152. Cameron Munster, 147. They were both very popular captaincy choices, uh, and both of them are 30 and, and 40% owned, respectively, as well. Uh, Cam Murray was a popular buy, 17% ownership, threw up 130 and Hines, another popular captaincy choice, which I went with over Munster, which I was spewing about 112 points. Uh, and that rounded out the top five. But we, you know, had a lot of other popular guys too. Drinkwater went 100. Sean Lane went 104. Teddy went the 99. Uh, the Grants, the Browns are in the 90s as well. It, it was a big round for popular players, which meant there was a lot of high scores. So it was a lot of fun. But geez, it, it's, uh, it wasn't a good run for the pod hunters because there wasn't many pod scores in that top 10. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and even your, your other players such as your Angus Crichton, um, just under a ton, um, you know, Kaloa Matangi, um, just under a ton himself. You know, there's there's plenty of high scores. Tedesco as well, just under a 100, and Grant as well, you know. So, I mean, a lot of these sort of players, I mean, and especially, um, so I had the VC on um, on Munster uh, and looped that basically as soon as I seen him cross over for the third try, thinking that, like, you know, head-to-head finals, we, you'll bank the 140 every day yep. of the week type thing and then mm-hmm. um, and have the captaincy on troll mitt all week. So, you know, swings and roundabouts in this game, I guess. I was so worried about not only Latrell Mitchell. Like, it was a, like I, I didn't mind after this week, but this was like the, the week where I went, oh, God, it's just going to hurt so much. And I knew it. It was one of those things in Supercoach. It's probably the most frustrating thing when you know that a player is going to go ballistic. You know that you want to own them but you just can't do it and you just have to sit there and grit your teeth and bear it. But it was just, it was terrible. Like the first 20 minutes, it looked okay. But then after that, he just ran rampant and you knew he would. And when he came off, it was like this massive, massive relief or he's only going to play 62 minutes, but it's like, oh, but he's already on 150 plus. <laughs> so it's just terrible. Uh, and Munster basically, you know, that was the other thing too, I guess. Like it, the, the players that you thought were going to go big, like all pretty much went big. You know, a lot of weeks we sort of think, oh, this 
this guy's going to go massive and, and you know, this this gun player that everyone owns has got a bit, great matchup. It doesn't always pan out that way. And a lot of weeks it actually doesn't where you only might get half of those guys actually go well and only, you know, one or two actually gun it. Um, whereas this week it just seemed like all the popular guys in all the matchups you thought they should go well in basically did. Um, and it kind of hammered home why they're the popular guys to have for this run home. Uh, but it doesn't always go that way, right? Like we may very well see a week this week where we have the reverse and you actually have a lot of pods actually fire. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, yeah, I mean, uh, the scores last week were quite ridiculous. I mean, I scored a 1460-odd and in four out of the 10 leagues that I'm in, I got absolutely belted. So, um you know, like just the the list of players. I mean, like you, you Dill Browns and everything like that. It was basically it was it was hard for all the players which we thought last round um, to not score well. Uh, they all just seemed to pull it all out of the hat. Um, you know, uh, even your teddies and everything like that, which I'm sure um, you would have most likely VC'd. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I did. I VC'd it. Because it was the first game, it was just a lot easier. Um, I like having those options to be able to pull out different players like, during the matchup. So, yeah, I did. And I, and I kept, I actually went to move the seed to Munster before the game, but I went, no, no, just stick with Heinz, uh, which obviously is a big regret now. But yeah. I mean, ordinarily on any other week, you'd take 112 as your captaincy. Um, you know, this week here, yeah, I'm sure if you could lock in right now, having your captain go 112, I'm sure you'd probably mm. take it. I certainly would, yeah. And, I mean, it, it, the reality is, like, even if it was fifth in the scoring, it, other weeks it's normally fine because you, you get, like, the other bigger scores of guys that aren't heavily owned a lot of the time. It just happened to be that the two heavily captain guys in Mitchell and Munster were the two, two top scores, so that's why it really stung this week. And I reckon a lot of people got knocked out of their finals because of that. Yeah, 100%. Um and just even, I'm sure there were people such as myself, I mean, missing out in certain leagues here and there, um, just by the sort of 20, 30 points, just even looping Munster um, and not captaining and following through with uh, Latrell's captain. So, Well, I know that Wilfred um, mentioned when we were chatting that um, he, he looped uh, Munster and he ended up worse off than what he would have been if he left the C on Hines just because of his AE. So it also goes to show with the VC that you can, even with a really big score, end up being un- come undone. One of the ones that wasn't um, a Wilfred story, um, but it certainly would have been for me, even if I put the VC on Cameron Munster, my loop wouldn't have worked out well at all because I've still got Burbo there and Burbo started to get named on the bench and he scored a massive six on the weekend. So it, it would have been worse off for me to loop the Munster score anyway, uh, even if I had him as the VC. So it's it's hard for a lot of teams because a lot of teams, and I, I say like often happens, but in the last two seasons, it's happened, happened a lot more than what it used to where teams have run out of trades and they've got a lot more dead wood that they just couldn't get out of their sides. I've probably only got Burbo, but there's teams that have, you know, several guys in their side that they just wouldn't want an AE score of. Burbo's throwing down sixes though, so he's a pretty bad one. I've seen, you know, some teams with Blake Tuff in there still and, and he might end up on a bench and, and score a 10 or something too. So it's not that easy with the VC for this run home for a lot of teams because teams have had to just grin and bear it with some of the guys they wanted to get rid of, but had to just leave there. So a lot of loops end up not working out like Wilfred's did on the weekend as well. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, I'm. A, I think like this week. I mean, it didn't quite pan out, but um, I think my auto emergencies were going to be either Targo, uh, Fafida, um, Tass, or Taylor May. So, 
Is that David um, for Fever? You benched David for Fever? Yeah, David yep. for Fever, yeah, yeah. Against the Storm, yeah. Benched him, so. Yeah, so that works out all right then. That's pretty good. You're in a really good spot for your VC loop. And that's probably a really good example of the importance as well of being able to get the dead wood out and everything because at this time of year, the VC can be really important. And it can it can also sting you if you don't get those guys out. Um, look, let's move on from talking about last round. Let's move on to round 22. We're going to have a quick strategy talk um, on a couple of different points for teams, and obviously this is the home stretch to last month. There's a little bit less to talk about at this time of year, but a couple of things to talk about is maximizing points in a very short draw. So I've spoken about it a little bit before, but uh, teams really need to look now with their trades. You know, and some people will say, what are they? They've already used them all, but <laughs> some people need to look at maximizing the points using the draw because it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter as much about the players anymore like you've probably got most teams with the top type of players that they need so you almost need to throw out the players I reckon for this point and you also need to remember with the draw that round 25 there might be a lot of guys rested um, or there might be a lot of nothing games that don't mean much where you might get guys pulled at half time and stuff or just not even or named and then pulled out an hour before kickoff like that's all going to probably happen so round 25 is almost a throwaway round so you need to kind of consider that with your trades that you're doing this week um, and also consider that with the draw. You know, what are the next three games? How does that look? Um, even for the next four games, you know, when you're looking at players, someone like DCE, who we'll talk about a bit later, he hasn't been going very well, but two out of his four next matchups are, are really good. Um, so it, it almost pays a little bit to, at this point in the year, just get rid of names of players and look at a team and see what the team's looking like for the last month and then start to work back accordingly and look at some of the players because player values on the season don't mean as much when you're looking at three or four games, does it? No, 100%. I mean, and even just a quick example of that, I mean, I only have the one trade left, but this uh, this week here is sort of a knockout in a couple of the cash comps. And then so say an example of a player of um, Joey Barnu, I would consider... While, say, a Ruben Garrick, uh, which is similar mould as uh, DCE, has quite a nice matchup coming up, I would consider a trade from Manu to Garrick to try and cancel that out as well, just as a, another part there. I mean, but someone the same as DCE. Yeah, and, I mean, the other thing too is that you can really try and catch up hard this next month. And it's one of the things with the maximising points with the draw is that you – it's a lot easier to rely on someone who's not very reliable just to give you two good games rather than needing them to be long-term. And certainly at the first half of the year, especially when you're buying guys, a lot of it's longer-term buys or even keeper buys where you're needing a gun buy or a semi-gun to become a gun for 12, 14 games. Whereas now it's like, you know, you could pick up somebody completely super coach irrelevant and only need to play them for the next two weeks because maybe in round 25 with your matchups, you're going to bench them. And if you only had two weeks out of them, you got a much better chance of being able to hit on somebody that's completely irrelevant just if they got two good matchups or they can score well for two weeks. So it really does make some mediocre super coach talents quite relevant um, for this end of season run if you really want to play it that way. And, and it's relevant for head to head end overall because for head to head, you need to consider bringing in some of these left field options if you want to win because you're going to get to a matchup potentially where you're going to be behind and you're going to be limited in what moves that you make. So I would probably say to people, Brad, in those head-to-head situations to really watch out that you're not just looking for the popular name buys 
and you're actually looking at all the options that are available because some of the options that aren't the popular name buys in your matchup as a head-to-head when you're behind this week might actually be the guy that scores more points and gets you the win. 100%. I mean, and this is also where people such as like a Josh Adokar or a um, there's a couple other wingers which, you know, are like a, a Coates or um, an Oates even, not particularly relevant generally and you try and steer away from, as you're saying, for long-term options. But these sort of couple-week hit-outs, if they have two nice weeks, I mean, and, and you think they're probably going to score, you know, a double or a, you know, even a hat-trick or something like that, that's where these players then also become a lot more relevant uh, to bring in. Plus also people won't own them. So it's nice nice to then offset against someone like a Talon May um, who hasn't scored a try in four weeks. So. Yeah, for sure, 100%. And it's it is one of those things where you can almost throw most of the Supercoach rules out that we know for the last month. It's kind of like the Wild West month of Supercoach, where or no rules apply, you do whatever you want, you know. And it's very much like that for this last month, as far as the type of players that you can bring up, the type of moves that you can make. So along those lines as well, I'll finish up on that sort of note by saying, if you if you traded someone out three weeks ago and they're, they're back or something, or they've turned it around, you know, and they're really good or they've got a good draw, it, it, you swallow your pride at this point because nothing matters. You know, just throw all the rules out the window. You know, say you sold Mitchell Moses three weeks ago and you think that he's going to tear up South you know, this week. Don't worry, just buy him back in if you really that sold that he's the best option. Whatever you think is the best option, don't worry about name, don't worry about super coach rules, just go for it because they've only got to do it for a short period and the season's over. And really, if you're head to head, they've just got to do it this week for you or your season could be over if this is, you know, a must-win week for you and you're, you're playing. Um, the other thing too now, especially for overall, is how do you catch up when there's only a month of football left? And the answer to that, Brad, is... It's very hard, so that's a simple answer. The the elongated answer is there is a couple of things that you can do, um, but they are fairly, fairly risky. So what I will often do at this point is that I will either, you know, just I'll either go feast, I'll go the feast or famine option, where I'm just going to either just have a go to feast and have a massive super coach few weeks, or go the famine and completely miss out and not eat anything and just go badly. Like, but it, it's a point where you just sort of have to decide whether you care or not. You know, if you're at say a thousand, do you want to gun it really hard and try and get to like five hundred, but the risk and the downside is going to be that you might drop to four thousand, five thousand, or would you rather just make sure that you stay top 1,000? You know, and I, I often just sort of go, look, I'm just going to gun it. You know, I'd rather try and finish 500 than, you know, worry about if I end up missing out on a couple of these moves and I finish 5,000. If you're going to do that, what you need to look for, I think, Brad, and I'm really interested in your opinion because you went really well last year in particular, and I think that you had some really good pod players. I remember looking at your team. Uh, is that really pod players and C options are really paramount. And C options, I'm talking about pod ones. You know, you really should be looking at who the popular captaincy options are. And they're often around sort of that oh, 15 to even 25% range type of thing. They're all at least 15% most of the time for the top couple. You want to just go past those ones if you think someone below them can actually beat them. And it is also a VC thing too. If you've got a team set up like Brad's does where you've got really good AEs, your VC is really important, but don't do it on a popular player. Like, you know, this is a poor example, but nobody will do anything with Sevo versus Souths. Souths have pretty poor outside backs at times. They're playing a Combank Stadium where Sevo's got a really good record. Now, in all, 99% of the time, he's probably going to go, you know, 70 or less. But 
if you think that that's your ticket where you've got a feeling or you just think that maybe he's on for a big one this week, you know, maybe he can hit 140 with a hat trick or quarter or whatever. Yeah. That, that's the type of thing where you go, that's, that's my VC option as a chaser. And if you decide you're a chaser, those are the type of options you need to take. If you decide you're a chaser, a Ramian in the centres for the Sharks versus the Tigers. Nobody's on that. That's the type of option you need to take. Obviously, there's a huge amount of risk with it, Brad, uh, including with picking pods that are only 1% or 2% owned. But the upside is that's probably the only way you're going to really, really move in a month of ranks at the end of a season. 100%. Um, and I would implore everyone to go ahead and in their – so when they're in the – uh, in the app, go ahead and select list of your players and then scroll across to the section where you can see the percentages of your, uh, like your player own percentages. Um, and this is a part where, like, say, like a Daniel Tupo next week against the Tigers. Um, while, you know, it might be risky because James Tedesco is playing in the same game uh, against the Tigers. Um, you know, these are the sort of things as well as a VC. If you've got a solid C backing that up, um, these are the sort of moves that I'd be looking to uh, take care of because everyone else will be on either, you know, a Joey Manu or a James Tedesco. But Daniel Tupo out in that left wing, if he gets a hat-trick or something that day, then, um, yeah, these are the sort of things that can bring the gravy home, I guess. And that also is, I guess, when you're bringing players in then as well, um, so, I mean, the popular one this week seems to be like a Cam Murray or something like that. Um, whereas, say, a Kaloma Tungi at 11%, I would prefer to pick him over, say, a Murray uh, in that sort of situation, uh, just out of the upside that you might potentially get against your head-to-head opponents, plus also they're in the rest of the overall people as well. Yeah, and that's a really good example because Kalamatangi has actually been going really well um, basically since the, the, this, the last buy. Um, and I bought him around then, so I've been t- paying real close attention. I've loved it. It's been one of my better buys the final third of the season. And, you know, in a, again, in a season context, um, Kalamatangi is not going to beat a Cam Murray. Even in a, a six-week context, he's probably not going to. But if you're talking over three or four games, he probably can. And if you're talking about someone that might be rested, you know, uh, that's the other thing to take into account. Round 25, if Souths can't go up or down, someone like Cam Murray could very easily play reduced minutes. Someone like Colin Matangi isn't going to play reduced minutes. And that's another factor to consider when it's going to be 25% of the games you're going to get out of your trading as well. Uh, the other pod way that you can look at things is who you start and sit. Uh, and sitting really popular options for the not-so-popular ones, but ones that you think project out to score better. It's one of the hardest calls to make as a coach because everything inside you sort of says, you know, playing a cooler over a Joey Manu just sounds stupid. You know, I, I just can't do that. But, you know, if you're brave enough and you look at the numbers and everything and you can actually see that if it does add up for you, and I say this because you need to decide this, you know, this is just an example, but, you know, cooler is playing the Titans. Um, Manu is playing the Cowboys. On projections, on numbers, Cooler's got a lot more opportunity than what Manu has. Now, that might not pan out that way. People might disagree. You need to find the one that you can agree with and find one that you work through and decide, yeah, that can happen. And if you think that can happen, then the pod move is to say, bench a a Manu, start a Cooler. And not many teams will do that. And Manu is obviously someone who's 35 40% owned. uh, And Cooler, his ownership's 
um, you know, not pod territory, but the people that will play him will be pod territory. So your sit start becomes podish as well. If you've got the pools and the gumption to go through with some of the things that numbers say are good moves, but the names kind of hold you back from pulling the trigger. Well, just as an example of that, what I'm thinking about doing this week would be playing someone such as a Joey Manu because he seems to, for some reason, enjoy playing some top teams and pulls out some freakish sort of performances. Yep. Um, but I'll play like a Jacob Karaz against the um, the Kiwis. Oh, jeez, then... he's a good player this week. I'm so I'm so annoyed that I sold him because <laughs> that, that other week that he went 145 or whatever, like it was a good play that week and Billy did it. And this week I'm looking at it going, jeez, I would play him over everyone I have in my centre week this week. Well, I'd like to say that um, I played him that week, but um, I was actually up at Splendor that week and didn't really pay too much attention. I didn't even um, take the loop of, I think, Teddy went 150 or something like yep. that that week. I didn't even take that. So, I mean, yeah, I wasn't really off <laughs> 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 doing other things that week. Um, but, like, and then so I'll bench um, a Taylor May, which is 42%, and I'll bench a Isaac Targo this week because they're versus the Storm, even though, you know, both teams quite muted with um, some of the players they have out, but benching those two, I'll take that risk. Um, even though, you know, they're 50 and basically 50% um, ownership perspectively, and I'll take a, a Mulatalo and a Tupo as well um, over those two in my center wing this week. Yep, really good examples. Um, let's move on to TLT for the round. Let's talk about the games. Before we do, I need to mention the fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast in Top Sport. Topsport.com.au, you can go and jump on there and have a look. They've often got best odds in market, and they are 100% Australian-owned, which I love. You get fantastic service from them. And it's not just about sport with them either. They've got great service and great odds in their racing as well. And look, player performance markets, I've spoken about it before. It's a lot of fun. You can bet the over and under on the point scoring. Uh, It's a fantasy point scoring system. You can really easily see that. Underneath, they've got a key that tells you what scoring is, and it is based on the NRL statistics. So if you go to nrl.com, you can have a look at the statistics and see what it's based on and and go from there. But it's based on the real game statistics NRL provides. So player performance markets are great on top sport, but if you're going to jump on there, make sure you gamble responsibly, but make sure when you create an account that you use the promo code of this podcast, and that is SC All Stars, all one word. When you create an account and they'll ask if you've got a promo code, make sure you throw that in because... When you do and you create that account, they'll know you're one of our listeners and they'll take great care of you. But topsport.com.au, go get on and have a look today. Storm versus Panthers. This is a Thursday night game. It it was supposed to be a blockbuster, but it's not really going to be um, because of all the yachts and everything that we're all well aware of. But in the team news for it, we just got the one change for the Panthers. James Fisher-Harris is out suspended. Uh, Eisenhuth starts at Prop, we're not going to talk about Eisenhut, but I'm going to say for the, the draft aficionados, he's a, he's a really good pickup at the moment. Um, for the Storm, Jerome Hughes, he, he's out for at least this week, but it looks like maybe a couple of weeks with the shoulder injury. He's offset slightly by the return of Nick Meany, uh, which means Cameron Munster will definitely not be playing fullback. Meany will, so Munster will be back at six, but he should still be goal well, You would hope that he's still goal kicking, but maybe Meany takes it off him. We'll have to wait and see. It's not going to be guaranteed. Um, and then we've got Kafusi out as well. So the Storm have got a lot of outs again, but they've got a couple back. Uh, Olam coming back is going to be good for them. But looking at the options, let's talk about market watch first, Brad. I find it really interesting. So Hughes is the second most traded out player. That's fine. He's he, You have to trade him out. Um, I've seen people talk about holding him. I would only hold him if you've got other players that are definitely out for the season, like a Cleary to trade out instead. 
um, or potentially you've got um, maybe you've even got some dead wood that you can get rid of that's just crap and you've got 300k bank I'd rather do that and just hold Hughes but if you don't have any of that you know get out Hughes it's totally fine he might miss 50% of the games that are remaining or if you've got one trade left just please yeah just hold your trade although I will say like next week you may as well just burn it like I've got one trade left on I'm considering it burning it this week if I don't I'll do it next week because I want to get value for a couple of weeks out of the trade but what I found really interesting, Brad, this has not happened all year. The third, fourth, fifth, and seventh most traded out players right now, so four out of the top ten, are all Panthers, which is just it's just crazy, but it, it completely makes sense. Uh, it's just funny how the season pans out that everyone's trading out Panthers players, but Cleary's an obvious one. Targo and May and Kikia, they're bigger ones. Let's start off with Targo and May because these are, I think, two guys that you know I certainly thought I'm worried about because obviously with no halves for the Panthers for the season, you sort of worry about them scoring points, but they threw on 26 last week. Um, Targo only got the 36 points. He did get the 71 the week before with the 55 base. So, which was pretty good. Um, Whereas someone like May, he's really relying on tries at the moment. And like you said, he hasn't scored for a month. So he's now got a five round average of 45 and a three round average of 43. And he's, he's pretty much been stinking it up. Um, since mid-origin period, basically. Like, it's been since round 15 that he scored 60-plus and since he scored a try. Uh, and, in fact, this this will be five games in a row. This is his sixth game without a try if he doesn't score this week. This is at home for the Panthers. So one of the things that I'm really cognizant of, Brad, with this matchup is that Targo and May are playing on a side that is going to be against the Storm's right-hand defence. Even though it's a Melbourne Storm, like, I think everyone just sort of you know, it says, oh, it's a Melbourne Storm. It's a hard matchup. It's at Penrith. I know they don't have their halves, but the Melbourne Storm's right-hand defense, and really right-hand left has been really poor, um, but their right-hand side has been really awful. Like, they've been leading in tries to terrible teams, and it's been the type of tries where teams throw it out there and they run in, and the wingers actually got, like, seven or eight metres space between the defender and the and the sideline just to score an easy try. And that's been done by a lot of players less talented than what May is. So I'm actually looking at playing May this week and, and holding him for sure. But even if I had trades, um, I, I, I'd be a bit 50-50 because if you actually have a look at the numbers, the Targo and May side could be points for them. Um, ordinarily, like I'm pretty worried about playing these guys. But against the Storm in real life on how they're performing. Their defence hasn't been as good as what we think that it has. Definitely. I think uh, with all the injuries to their Melbourne outside backs, um, they get a handful back here and there. But um, with Olin back, um, yeah, that's handy. But he also he doesn't mind jamming in um, uh, at times when he potentially shouldn't. So um, leaving the wing quite vulnerable. And I think uh, so Kikau's named in the 22 and heard some chat that um, he may be returning this week. So I think that'll be handy enough having him back on that side as well, assisting those two boys. So, um, yeah, look, and then they've, they've got a couple of nice matchups like New Zealand. Um, if you're in, so that's round 24 and that is head to head finals. Um, I would be trying to play both of those fellas that week. Yeah. That's a really important point too. Um, and like this week against the storms at home, that New Zealand one's at home at Penrith as well. So those are two really potentially really good matchups. Like on paper, um, the sides that they're running against for Targo and May defensively can concede points. 
So it's just a matter of whether you've whether you got the gumption to go with that. Um, it look it, it obviously is no guarantee. It may not come off. Um, and certainly there's teams that are going to be deciding between May and Targo. Um, I actually gave some advice today where I sort of ummed and armed about it and said, look, I think I would keep and play May over Targo only because Targo's got much better floor, uh, but he's less of a try scorer normally. May's on a drought. But to me, it means he's probably going to get some tries in those matchups, particularly against the way that Storm defense on the right hand side pushes in and leaves the space. And particularly against the Warriors, you know, around 24, I could easily see him scoring a, a double or a Hattie. And that's going to be more than what Targo is because he's not a noted try scorer. So I, I sort of thought, you know, keep the guy that's got the upside of the try scoring over the guy that's got the better floor in Targo. But where do you sort of sit between those two? Uh, between the two, I mean, there's also a lot more value um, in selling Targo than the May because May is sitting at 440, whereas Targo is at 562. And I think for the rest of the season, you're going to have somewhat of a similar output. So there's there's like, you know, 120 grand on top of the trade that you're going to have to spend as well, where players most likely have somewhere in the range of zero to five, maybe um, coming into this end of the season. So, I mean, and, you know, while, like I preferably would hold both, um, but if I was going to keep one, it would be May out of the two because he's also the person which has the large ceiling out of the two. I mean, Targo did throw up the 105 against the Storm in round 10, but apart from that, um, May's had some some quite uh, electric performances, uh, you know, three, four tries in a game. So um, I'd be more looking to hold on to that rather than a, you know, a 50 base in a, in a game. Yeah, and I think moving on to Kikau, uh, it's a really good point that you make that he he could help those guys on the outside. I actually made the comment when Cleary went, was confirmed as being out uh, for his suspension that with Cleary and Luai out, I I don't like it for the backs, but I actually like it for Kikau because we saw during that origin period when they had players out, um, notably round 18 versus the West Tigers, Kikau scored 102, and he did that by getting huge amounts of ball. And they were almost they were using him as a playmaking forward to make plays for them, which he was doing. And he's even been started doing these little grubby kicks and stuff that I'm not sure Cleary really wants him doing. But he's got a few forced dropouts as well this year. So he, I think, might actually be more of a focal point for him where he gets more ball to try and make things happen, and he tends to do that. So I actually like him without the halves. I think he's going to get the opportunity. And he actually had 84 points against the Storm in round 10, and that was away. So playing at home, uh, playing without the halves, actually I'm playing him this week and I'm benching some other more fancied options. I I think that against the Storm's edge defense there, um, he could hurt them. He hurt them in round 10, and I think that he's going to get a lot of opportunity and ball to do it as well with with the Panthers really needed to go to him. So it's a different take on Kikiao. I, I get people that sort of want to sell him um, because he can be up and down, but he has been more up than down and he has had some bigger scores in him. And I think that a lot of people that don't sell him this week will actually still bench him and not play him. And I think that that's going to get, that's a key because at least half his ownership, I think won't actually have him in their 17. I don't mind him this week as a play. I will try not to sell him because I like him as a play this week. He's gone well against Souths in the past as well. He scored 82 against them at the start of the season as well. And against the Warriors, you know, I think that's a great matchup. So the next three weeks, I actually quite like his matchups, despite there being a couple of harder teams in there or perceived harder teams. 100%. And also just noting as well, so Kafusi's out on that right edge um, this week for great the Storm. Point. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. 
Um, Mark a watch in Grant. Um, so that, that's a no-brainer. We don't even need to talk about that one. Uh, but when we're talking about the captaincy and vice-captaincy, mate, obviously Munster went 147. He's playing away, but, you know, if he does manage to still keep the goal kicking, which is, you know, up in the air whether he does or not, he's in a bit of form now. You know, do you follow the form guide and just go, look, I'm going to VC him just because he was on fire last week and, you know, the, the Panthers are obviously depleted um, and, you know, he's just on fire. So maybe a VC on him because he does have that upside from last week. To be honest with you, I only VC'd Cameron Munster last week because he moved to fullback. Um, when he's at 5'8", I don't think that he has as high of a ceiling. Um, and I like, I, granted as well, like last week, he was running through some pretty pretty weak and wide holes. But um, so he won't really have that again this week. So maybe some more try assists, but it definitely won't be a hat-trick out of Munster. And I think... Um, if he was to go extremely well in this game, I think his ceiling's most likely capped around the maybe 100 range. But then the other thing to think about as well, instead of VCing Munster this week, because I'm presuming that he's going to be quite popular after his 140 or, you know, a bit of FOMO from people last week um, if they, you know, did captain um, some other people and missed out on another Troll Mitchell or a um, Cameron Munster is that generally the herd seem to uh, follow the larger scores from last week and that's where you should be able to get a bit of a leg up. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest um, a VC out of him. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Uh, and, I, and this is a week as well where I think you've got some other good options early on. Um, top sport bit of the week. Very surprised. Um, the Storm, I know of Hughes out, but they do have Meany back. They're paying $2.50. That's that's big money for the Storm. Um, I know that the Panthers played well last week, but the Raiders were awful. I uh, I like the plus four and a half line for the Storm, dollar ninety. I, I reckon I'm going to take that one. Uh, the next one, Brad, Warriors versus Dogs. Now this isn't quite the blockbuster of the Thursday night, um, but it's on at six o'clock, so I guess everyone can sort of cook their dinner while they half watch it. But we've got. Not a huge amount of changes, probably some changes for the Warriors, but they aren't going to be too super coach relevant. Um, the only prob- probable one is going to be that you and A can move back to the back row, so people might want to play him a little bit more if they still own him. I would play him versus Dogs. Uh, the Dogs are obviously playing a lot better. Uh, their main change is Tavita Pengai Jr. hasn't been named. We don't even know why. It's been a really disappointing season for him. And Raymond Fatala Mariner is at lock um, and as normally happens, we'll probably see RFM and, and Josh Jackson swap roles on an hour before kickoff. Look, it's not a, it's not one with a huge amount of options, but you mentioned a name earlier that I actually really like as a pod play, and that is uh, Jack the Fox. Adokar has the type of ceiling against a, a side like the Warriors that concedes the most super coach points to center wings that he could just fire and put up a real big one. And it's going to be one of those ones that could be a real big one that wins you the week. You know, he has scored a a hat trick a couple of times this year, 110 points and also 94 points. A lot of the time, unfortunately, those hat tricks seem to be capped at the dogs because a lot of them are kicks that he's taken from Burton. So he doesn't get the line break with it. But I do really like this game to open up for, for Ado Carr. I think that, yeah, there's no way he doesn't score a try, but last week he scored a try and scored 33 points, so that's not anything. Uh, but I would say that he's got a high chance at at least a double. And his doubles this year, he's gone 70, 76, and 98. So he's got a lot of opportunity. He's only 527,000, so it's a really easy trade to make where you could go uh, a Targo to a, a, 
Josh Adokar. Um, the only downside, I guess, is that they've then got Parramatta away, the Sharks away, and then Manly at home. And that last round game, you know, that might be one that opens up for him, but certainly round 23 and 24 is a bit harder. But this week, it, it does look like one of those great pod plays that we were talking about. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, he's the type of player that can come out and score for, you know, even back at Melbourne Storm, five tries in a game, um, if they're really going to roll one. And I really like the connection that he has with Matt Burton at the moment. So, yes, granted, some of the tries are off the kicks and stuff like that, but um, just the sink of that left-hand side seems to be quite nice and just absolutely humming. And I think if uh, the Kiwis are slightly off on that day, I think they're just going to run right. Yeah, I do too. And he's only a couple of percent owned, so it's, it's a massive pod play. Uh, Matt Burton's uh, another really good pod play. Uh, and he's actually someone who I I would VC over Cameron Munster. And I actually think it's a, a pretty decent option. Um, someone like the Gold Coast, you know, they haven't played the Warriors this year. Someone like the Gold Coast mm-hmm. is a pretty good uh, example of what he could do. Matt Burton scored 126 versus the Gold Coast in round 19. And He's obviously going to be goal-kicking. He's obviously a primary playmaker. Um, I like how he's starting to run the ball a bit more too. He got a three-round average of 85, five-round average of 73, 62 on the season. He's still putting up big scores. Last week he put up 85, um, and he's put up 85, 126, and 83, three out of his last four, and his lowest score was 45. So I would even suggest there is an argument that you could straight see Matt Burton this week and get a leg up on not having to cop an AE. Uh, that is one of those ballsy ones that I was talking about at the start of the podcast in our strategy chat. But 100%, I could see it paying off. 100%, I would buy Matt Burton as well if you don't have him as one of your top priorities for the week if you really want to get a leg up this week. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I would prefer his run over, say, a Dylan Brown or a Cameron Munster in the upcoming week. So if you are one of those lucky few that's held on to some uh, trades and you have some ability and movement, um, there are a couple of weeks coming up here with Matt Burton where I would probably prefer to own him than the previously two stated. Yeah, and look, you could get really crazy. And, and again, this is high-risk sort of stuff. But if you've got trades and you've got a stack team and you're like, there's no real obvious trades to make this week, this this is the type of time to, to go balls to the wall and make some big calls. And one of those might be, I'm going to trade, you know, Cameron Munster to Matt Burton. Now, granted, you've got two 5'8 spots, so I'd probably prefer to trade the other 5'8. If you've got like a Dylan Brown or something, definitely trade Dylan Brown instead. But, you know, you could do something like that because Munster could very easily... Average a solid, a solid 65 for the next month. And Matt Burton could very easily average a, an 85. He's doing that over his last three games. And, you know, if you do that, that's a big swing in points for a move that not many people would make. So high risk, but I don't think it's as risky as what it sounds. Certainly this week, I think it's a massive play for Matt Burton owners, though. Um, on the markets, top sport, dogs are $1.58. Minus four points. I've got to say, I really like how the dogs are playing, mate. What do you reckon? Minus four points, $2. I think I like that. I think I think I like the 13-plus uh, dogs a little bit more. Oh, huge call. It isn't Mount Smart, I should say that. It isn't Mount Smart, so I think it makes it a little bit harder. It's also been a long season, and I think, um, I think the dogs are going to fire up. Big call, but I like it. Um, I do like the dogs to score points, at least, at a minimum. Para and the Rabbits, the next one. 
Um, this is a really good one because I think this is going to really show where both teams are at um, and it's going to have big implications on their finishing spots as well and on the ladder on where they move this week. Um, for the Eels, we've got Ryan Madison back, which is really big for owners that held or had to hold. Um, and for the Rabbits, uh, we don't have any real super coach changes for them. Interesting game. Moses is the most traded out player out of both sides in the top 10. He's number nine. That makes sense. When we're looking at market watching, Cam Murray, number one, he looked like last week, Brad. He was on, I think, 90 points at the half or something, finished on 128. Um, he looked like that he was possibly going to go 150. Uh, he finished on 130 in the end, actually, sorry. He looked like he might have gone 150 plus, which would have been the highest score of any forward this year, I'm pretty sure. Uh, he was just three tries. He's something he had in the first 15 minutes. He was on fire. He's now gone 130, 83, and 69 since he returned from a two-game absence. 640,000, really obtainable. Um, I I couldn't possibly talk anyone out of getting him. And one of the good things as well is that even though he's got some tougher matchups, he tends to go well in those. And the Eels tend to give away points to middle forwards quite a bit, and he's playing them this week. Uh, it's There's a lot to like about Cam Murray this week. I can see why he's the number one most trading player. Yeah, 100%. And I think you'll also find that uh, in majority of Cam Murray's seasons, his back end of the season um, is where he really, really sort of turns it on after origin, much like a James Tedesco, like not in the same sort of fashion where he's ceiling, you know, um, of, you know, 150 plus type thing. And I think that 130, um, if you temper your expectations a little bit, I think that 83 um, to sort of 100 range, um you know, well, I mean, sort of high or well, low, lowish seventies to around the hundred range. I think is where you're buying Cam Murray for the rest of the season. Yeah, and and for for numbers, the final third of last season, he averaged eighty points, um, which is obviously um, above his average, and he does normally go big in that final third. So, if he if he's averaging seventy six for the year, uh, I think Brad's call of around that eighty eighty three sort of mark is is a pretty good one. He's in seventeen percent of teams but that's not that bigger amount considering his output. So I think a lot of teams don't have enough trades for the luxury trades of Fords, and that's going to be a real good one uh, for Cam Murray traders because not everyone can do it. I'm someone who would really like to do it. I can't do it. I don't have enough trades to spend on a Ford trade. Mitchell is the third most traded in player. Um, that makes complete sense still. Um, I guess I think I'll probably ask of you. Look, he's obviously just gone 150. He's absolutely tearing it up. I don't even need to go through his numbers. He's just killing it. But question for you, you know, South Straw does get harder. It does start to get harder from this week. But Eels, Penrith, Cowboys and Roosters, it is a terrible month of footy. The only saving grace is that Moses is out for power. Uh, and power have been a bit shaky this final third on the run home. Penrith don't have their halves. But, you know, it's still a pretty bad month. If you don't have Latrell Mitchell right now, are you worried about buying him for this final month of footy? Like we said, it's only a small amount of games you need him to fire for. Um, I think that he's in fantastic form and it's going to be hard to... I think it's much like a, if a Tom Trebojevic had of last year had this sort of draw coming up and... Um, while they're completely different players. I mean, while it looks sort of like, you know, that round 16 trade-in would have been ideal, you know, <laughs> running through his numbers. Um, but the Sharks match up in round 20 where he scored 52 um, and even sort of the Kiwi game on the weekend, uh, the first sort of 20 minutes um, is what 
potentially you could expect out of some of these harder matchups. Um, but then, obviously, the same token, you are flirt with danger of the 150 in the 40 minutes or whatever the heck he scored that. Um, so, I mean, I necess- uh, like if I didn't have him at the moment, probably would not be bringing him in and I'd be trying to find other other routes uh, with, you know, sort of 30% ownership. It, it is a really hard one. Like it's it's one of those things where I, I don't think that he's, I think that he's still going to be good. So I, I and I couldn't possibly talk anyone out of buying him. I would almost it, it's a hard decision to make. I would almost lean on not buying him if it was my team only because if I didn't own him now, I'd think that I've missed out on a lot of good scores. And I still think that he might average like you know seventy five, but it's not what he's been doing. Um, so uh, the other thing as well in the back of my head. And it's, you know, it's something that I don't like to put into it too much, but it is something you need to consider for the last month when you don't have any trades left. If you do this, like I've got one trade, I could spend it on Latrell. But if I do, you know, if Latrell gets hurt, I can't trade him out. And he is someone who obviously has got noted hamstring problems. He is someone who's been suspended a few times. He's got suspension and also injury potential. One of the games in the next month, it could happen. Um, and if it happens like this week to someone trading him in and they don't have many trades or no trades, it's a disaster. But the other thing too is round 25, you know, we do think the Bunnings will be needing to win that game to, you know, move up a spot or, or to even solidify in the top eight, depending on how results go. But maybe they don't have to win all that game at all. Maybe it doesn't matter if they lose against the Roosters. And if it doesn't, you know, if I'm coach of the Rabbits, I'm sitting down Latrell probably that game, especially with his hammy. So that's all risks that are there as well with him. If he if he had a good draw, like I like I, you'd have to go it. But I think that there is some flags there to say he could come out on top just not doing it and just leaving Latrell if you haven't owned him yet. Are you um uh, there just as the Roosters fan hoping that Latrell doesn't play in round twenty five or? Oh no! Look, look! I'd actually, as a Roosters fan, I actually like it when we play when we play each other because you know it gets spicy. You get you get like all the talk and everything. It's, uh, I actually rather he plays. Like I like it when when we play against each other. Now, I think you'd be hard pressed to um. I think even say like a Cam Murray and stuff like that as well. I, I think you're going to be hard pressed to try and keep those boys out of versing the Roosters, especially with the troll coming from there and then the rival, rivalry that you boys have. Uh, but I just wouldn't be necessarily expecting a massive score because he could also get sent off in the first couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, do another Joey Manu draw. draw. Um, oh, hopefully not that, but yeah. Nah. Uh, look, it's it's a good trading. Like I said, I don't want to talk anyone out of doing it. You know, Mitchell could very well carve up for the next month. He's playing well enough where the draw doesn't matter for him to score well. It's just I don't know whether he'll keep up this, you know, last six weeks, that's all. I think you've got to, um, like, honestly, on, on that, like, I would find that as a hard decision. I already have him um, and I won't be trading him. I've got one trade left. Um, but if I didn't have him, I think it's going to come down to, like, a gut feel. Do you think that he'll... Um, what what do you think he would score throughout the rest of the year? Can you find a different option that may outscore him? If yes, then select that person. If not, and your gut says that Latrell's going to continue in the form that he is and keep scoring the way he is, then I'll trade him in. One thing I find bizarre in this South team is that the number eight most traded in player is Isaac Thompson. And look, I know he's been named on the wing, but I just don't get it. Like, if you had, if you had to downgrade at this point, just get enough. Like, you shouldn't be getting an Isaac Thompson because what are you doing it for? Like, I, I just, I, I just don't understand it, Brad. So maybe you can, you know, find a way to explain it to me. But 
yeah, like I wouldn't play on Isaac Thompson versus Para. I wouldn't play him versus Penrith. I wouldn't play him versus Cows. I wouldn't play him versus the Roosters. I'm not going to play him the next month. And he's only going to be an AE problem for me. So why would I buy him? I don't, I don't get it. Um, his name is, I think, oh, not Sam Harris. Um, it's something Harris from the, uh, from the Panthers is, I believe, that person's name that you should be trading in. Um, yeah, flexibility. Shannon. <laughs> yeah, Shannon, that's him. Sam Harris is yeah, someone else. Um, we probably shouldn't be old. Old manly player that converted from rugby union played like I think finished eight years ago or something. So there we go. Some rugby league history for us. <laughs> but no, I can't. I can't explain that. And um, I would. I would if if yeah. If anyone's doing that, please please don't. Because um, that that's also where trading in these sort of plays is where what I've tried to avoid. And this is how you can end up with some quite decent AEs, your VC loopholes and stuff like that. But trading in these sort of plays, they can throw up a 10 um, and stuff like that as rookies. Yeah, 100%. And I, like we when we're talking about pods and bargains, as a pod, I mentioned Kyle Matangi, how much I've loved owning him. Um, he has just been absolutely on fire since that buy round. Um, and I've, I've already mentioned him, so I, I don't want to mention him every week. But the Eels do give up points to these type of players, these forwards. They just tend to keep doing it. So I really like him this week. And he, he's just been on a tear. Like the last month of footy, he scored two out of his last four games and now gone 74, 118, 73, and 93. Three-round average of 95, five-round average of 83. He's 660K now. So it's really hard to to substantiate buying him. But I think that he defies against Parramatta this week as well. And at 11% ownership, it's just it's 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 one of those pod plays that you can make over the more fancied options. Um, I, I wouldn't. I think it's probably too ballsy to get him over a Cam Murray, but geez, it could work out against some of the other ones. Sit and play, Brad. I want your opinion on this one. For me, I tend to think that the South Sydney Rabbitohs have been going really well, but because they've been winning and scoring points and looking good, it's kind of masked the fact that they are giving up points to other opposition still. Um, teams like the Bulldogs, you know, have still put good points on them. Um, obviously, on the weekend, you know, the Warriors couldn't, but I think a lot of other teams would. Um, so I, I like at Combank Stadium the Eels to score points. Whether they win or not doesn't matter. I, I think the Eels are going to score tries. Uh, so in saying that, I would play all my Eels players um, and I would think that someone like Sevo, for Sevo owners, he's always a potential bench if it's a hard matchup. This might look like a hard matchup, but the outside backs for South give up tries. So it would not surprise me if the Eels lose this one and Sevo scores a double and still gets his 75, 80 points. 100%. Um, and that would be Isaac Thompson's wing, I believe. So a rookie, um, Sevo running out. Um and Jackson Paulo in at the centres. Um, uh, yeah, I'd be pretty happy to play him. That's Paulo and Thompson. It's so good there. Like, and it also like Gutherson's five percent owned. Um, he he scored a big one on the weekend as well, tonning up. Um, he could run rampant on that side too because he loves that cutout ball to Sevo to give him space and get, he gets the LBA TS every time. Yeah, he could have two or three of those to Sevo this week. And again, it might not mean the Eels win, but they're, they're going to put up some points, I reckon, against South at Combank Stadium. And Combank Stadium, Sevo just loves it. Latrell Mitchell, vice-captain-captain. It, it is still early enough to vice-captain. Obviously, I think a lot of teams, Brad, are just going to keep the C on because of last week. Like, kind of like Munster. 
but I think more people are going to keep riding Latrell because Latrell's now got six weeks of really good scores that are all captaincy material except for the 52 versus Sharks. So it makes sense. Um, and the Eels themselves are prone to just have absolute collapses. Do you think they can handle Latrell or, or do you think Latrell is, is still a really good captaincy option for this week? I would prefer to VC Latrell rather than see him this week if that was your choosing. But I would try and steer away from I think there are a couple other matchups which I would prefer to target. Definitely one right uh, right late in the round and then one sort of midway through that I'd be looking to target rather than the, the two which will most likely end up quite highly captain this week. Yeah, and the high captain is probably a big deal. I, I do think that if you own him, I would be very much contemplating a VC because I'd be really worried um, because he does... He does score in massive bursts, like we saw on the weekend, you know, in most of his 150-odd points, he scored in about a 40-minute span or a 35-minute span even. You know, he just did it all. He just did like 150 in 35 minutes, which is insane. But it is why it's scary um, to not have a piece of it there, and especially with how he's going. And the Eels, you know, we're hoping that they're going to turn up. I think that they will. But if I'm wrong, you know, when we see the Eels versus the Bulldogs six or seven weeks ago, then South might carve and then Latrell's on his 130 points and you might want to loop that. So definitely a VC option. Top spot better the week on this one. Um, I, I'm back in the Eels to, to play well at Combank. Um, plus four and a half they've got, $1.90. I'm going to take the points on them. I actually think there could be a couple of upsets this round, but I'll take the safety of the points. Uh, Roosters, Cows. Only one on market watch for this one. Funny, and like I sort of I say that even as a Roosters fan, Brad Luke Keary's the only one that appears on Market Watch, and it's people trading him in. I actually looked at him um, when he was coming back and sort of said, "Oh, against Newcastle, I, I think he could fire. He could go all right. Um, he scored sixty six. Then against Manly, he only scored thirty. Then he scored one hundred and one last week against the Broncos. I think this might be a point of teams maybe not having any budget." Uh, maybe they're, they're wanting to trade out a ma'am and they've got the trades, or maybe they're wanting to trade out a, a Cleary or a Hughes and use money elsewhere to get another gun, like maybe a Cam Murray upgrade, uh, in which case it kind of, it might make some sense. I mean, I'd much rather see him walk around in the Roosters' halves, but I think the thing here is, you know, you need to ask yourself whether you think the Roosters will go well against the Cowboys at the SCG. But the bigger thing, and this is something for me, because I have looked at training in Sam Walker, I've looked towards round 23 and sort of said, well, against the West Tigers at the SCG, the Roosters could run rampant, what pods are available. Maybe people are looking at that. It is a pretty risky play, though, um, with with Kiri because it's hard to tell when he does go big or when he isn't going to. Um, I think if you're looking to buy Luke Kiri, I'll potentially just hold off until next week because, as you're saying, like, so... Uh, as a hit and miss sort of player, I mean, he's got a good record against the West Tigers. And so if you wanted a one hit hit pinch, then I'd take that. But as you're saying, I would prefer Sam Walker um, out of the two there. Um, Luke Keary as well. Like, so if you are low and limited on trades, does have some concussion problems, plus also some other bits and pieces injury-wise, um, just coming off the ACL and stuff like that. So if you are very limited on trades, it's not necessarily one of the top players that they'll be looking to bring in. Yeah, really good point. Um, and look, I, I say Sam Walker, he's now 630,000. Like a few weeks ago, you could have got him at uh, under 500. But yeah, he, he's expensive now. 
Um, but I much prefer him if even if you can't get the other upgrade. Like I do think he's an option because he's he's playing really well. Um, and his lowest score since round 13 is 45 and everything else has been 50 plus. He's got a lot of 50s in there, but when he goes big, you know, he's got 138 in round 18, 188 in uh, 19. Those were two prime matchups and he fired in them. It's obviously a prime matchup in 23. That's the type of matchup where he could easily ton. Uh, and it's a lot hard, harder for Luke Curie to do that as a non-goal kicker. So I still like Sam Walker as a trade. I talked him up last week, so I won't go through it again. Captaincy and vice-captaincy. I vice-captained Teddy last week, and it didn't come off. He still scored well, though. Um, and it needs to be said that, you know, Teddy's on a really good tear now. Uh, the last month of footy since the buy in round 17, 99, 152, 72, and 99. That's good for a three-round average of 108 and a five-round average of 98. Teddy is well and truly back. Uh, I think a lot of people would be worried about the Cowboys, and rightly so, because they're playing good footy, Brad. But at the same time, they don't play as well away from home. I do think the Cows are starting to fall off a little bit, uh, and we've seen that with um, the close win against the Tigers. It probably wasn't a win. And even on the weekend, they'd only really won that game in the final 15. Uh, So, you know, Teddy VC, I think it's still it's still on for this as a consideration. One hundred percent, starting to yeah, just lack it just a little bit in the in the middle. A uh, few players were out. Yeah, look, uh, I, I really like James Tedesco, especially if it's going to be a nice um, sort of fast track out there. Um, I think the overs might get a nudge between the two boys here. And you could consider a C here because I think a lot of people won't go the C on Teddy just because of um, Munster and Latrell's explosion last week. But one of the things is that guys that go sort of that 150 sort of score generally don't back it up the next week. So it's less likely those two are going to back that up, but a lot of people are going to be captaining them. Whereas someone like Teddy um, went 150 three weeks ago, he could very well go 150 again this week um, if they're going to have a big one, if it's a big win. You obviously need to ask yourself that question, but he went 88 versus the Cows in round four and the Roosters weren't even playing well and had some injuries. So at the moment, um, like, you, you might get a 90-odd score, I reckon, and that's still going to be a decent captaincy odd, but you're also going to potentially get the big one. It may very well be a week this week that we don't see last week's scores, and maybe replicating his 99 from last week is going to be good for a captain, and that's you know something that's very achievable for him, I reckon, against the Cowboys. Uh, needless to say, top sort bit of the week, $1.65 Roosters. Um, at the SCG, I really like it. If it was away, even as a Roosters fan, I, I probably wouldn't bet on it, but, um, but at home, I, I like it. Cowboys. Big fan of uh, Cowboys 1-12 to 12 there. Oh, going to Cowboys. There's the upset. They're paying $2.30 at the moment just for the win. So there you go. If you like the Cows, some good odds there for you. Um, Tiger Sharks. Talakai's the sixth most traded out player. Uh, as, well, we should mention the team news first. Uh, for the Sharkies, the big news is that Connor Tracy's out. It's not going to be so super coach relevant, but um, Dale Finucane's returning. And that is super coach relevant because it's going to put Cam McInnes back to the bench where he has not been effective. And I've seen a lot of teams post to me saying, you know, what what can I do? And they've had Cam McInnes there and no other obvious sales. And I've sort of said, well, Cam McInnes is what you can do. Get him out of your side because I wouldn't want to be playing him again off the bench because it just wasn't, it wasn't worth it. Um, but that's, that's going to have some super coach implications. Uh, I think the thing to mention with this one that I should say is that Adam Dewey was, you know, Billy loves Adam Dewey this year. I loved him last year. Billy was all over it, you know, grabbed him last week. Uh, I love him and I still wasn't as onto him as what Billy was last week when we were chatting. And he only scored 50 points, Adam Dewey. 
So it was really disappointing versus Newcastle that uh, the, a real popular buy like Dewey could only throw up 50. Yeah. Um, Adam Dewey last year was a fantastic help because he seemed to remain a pod, but um, um, and he still sort of is to a certain extent this year. Um, he's had some quite good games, uh, sort of a little bit disappointing last, last sort of week. Um, I would have expected him to uh, continue on his form and if not do quite a little bit better. And I was more looking, I was more worried about not owning him last week, thinking around it around the 120 type range with the rest of the players that we thought would go quite big last week. So um, yeah. How do you feel about him as a buy? It's really hard because I love him. 50 last week's really bad. And that was sort of, again, when you're looking at the short sample size, it's like, Okay, we've got five games left. The Newcastle one's one that I really need him to hit on because the Sharks and the Roosters, the next two are going to be tough before he gets another easy one. And then all of a sudden, he only puts up 53. And it's like, well, now if I'm buying him, I'm going to get the Sharks and Roosters back to back. Um, the last two games are good, Dragons and Canberra, but these next two aren't very good. So I, I would probably hold off on buying him this week. But he is one of those players, though, Brad, that seems to be able to just go well any week um, and you know Penrith round 18 87 points for him and it was only his fourth game back from a major injury you know and that was his first coming out game where he looked better than 87 points so it's a real hard call isn't it yeah um, and he's only got sort of the break even of 31 this week um, uh, which I'd, I'd, I'd expect him to outdo because um, while the Tigers have sort of been a little bit patchy in form they still seem to be able to find the try line in sometimes not so conventional ways. And then they also showed as well against the Cowboys that um, they were able to put up some points. And so while the Sharks are generally quite good, well, majority of the time with um, Finucane in the side, quite good defensively, um, there's no reason why the Tigers at home can't show one of the random performances where they show up and put a fair bit of points on some teams. Yeah, and look, I would say as well, um, one thing that's different with the Sharks in this one um, one, it's it's getting played in Tamworth, so it isn't anyone's home ground. Uh, and two, they do have Dykes at fullback still and Lachlan Miller on one wing um, because now we've also got Connor Tracy out. And, the, you know, so they've already got a couple of major injuries in that back line, so they might be susceptible to letting in more points than what their season average suggests, out wide at least. Um, and Braden Trimble, Trindle's at six still for this one. So it's... Yeah, they, they might be able to let in some points there defensively still against the Tigers. Um, so At the same token, though, as well, I mean, we've got Jock Madden at halfback and there is no Jackson Hastings as well on the side. So, um, mm. you know, I think that's that last week as well could potentially be part of that as well because he, he tends to have a lot of touches on the, on the ball, which, you know, um, would sort of draw in a fair bit of defence and stuff like that, maybe relieve Dewey um, outside off the ball and... Yeah, I almost thought that that was going to help him, but it didn't last week. My theory went bad because I had a few people ask about that and I sort of thought, well, now it's a Dewey show. Like I sort of think that he's going to get as many touches as he wants and he's got the type of game where that helps because he he runs a lot, he gets tackle breaks, he gets offloads, he kicks a lot, um, you know, he, he just gets points the more positions he gets, but it didn't really come off last week. So maybe that's how it's going to be and he is going to struggle um, with the more pressure or maybe that was an anomaly. It's hard to say. I wouldn't say that he's not a buy. Um, three out of the next four games for the Tigers are at home. Uh, it just it just may not work out as well as what we hoped because you really need to nail last week if you bought him. Um, you would have been hoping for that. With the market watch for this, uh, it's Talakai's the sixth most trained out player. It's it's hard to argue because he still only scored um, 
yeah, oh, he scored a terrible, what was it? A down date. Jesus, he scored worse than what I remember. 25. Downgraded to 25. He was higher than that. Um, and he's now just not scoring well at all still when you're expecting him to. Against the Dragons, I thought that he would have gone well and he didn't. He's still got three out of the next four games are against teams in the bottom four. Um, I just, I can't get around selling him, but it's one of those things where all of everything that you look at, you know, it might point to him being a hold. It might point to him scoring well. It just might not come off just because he's not playing well enough, you know, and that's looking like it could happen. So I can't talk anyone out of selling him. Um, Personally, Brad, there's no way I'm selling him because Tigers is gold for him. Um, And, you know, I, just still think that against Tigers, Manly, Bulldogs and Newcastle, the next four, I'm just going to ride it. And he has to score a try in some of these. He has to get some line breaks again. It just hasn't been happening for him. But the matchups are just too good for me to to ignore them. 100%. Um, I fortunately, well, fortunately and unfortunately, have never owned him throughout the whole of this season. So it was quite disappointing in the couple of games early on in the season and sort of seemed quite doom and gloom. But since then, um, He's a, he's a bit of a and 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 enigma. Yeah, that's that's what I'm yeah. after. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, but surely if you've held him for this long, um, and you if you're one of the ones that paid you know seven eight hundred k for him, um, this is the type of run where you'd expect him to be quite destructive. Yeah, he didn't quite do it last week. Um, but this this Sharks run, we've spoken about it. Everyone's spoken about it and looked at it, flagged it on their draws. And this is where you want attacking outside back players. Um, and Tamakai is one of those. And he's probably one of the most destructive on his day. So, I mean, I'd be happy to have him in the next couple of weeks. And when we're having a look at some of the other options in this one, um, Hines is heavily traded in. That makes complete sense. We're going to talk about him in a minute. But a couple of guys that aren't being traded in that I that I did like. Um, Militalo is one for value. Uh, Militalo I thought was going to score tries last week. He didn't. Uh, he is low ownership now as well. Um, basically a pod. 410,000. He still didn't score a try on the weekend. He still didn't score over 50. That's four weeks in a row not being able to hit 50. It is since round 14 that he's hit 60 plus, and that was 106 points. Before round 14, he was killing it, Brad. Since then, he has not, and he's had some really good matchups. So, would you know, to me, he's one of the bargain purchases at the moment. I said this last week that didn't come off, but I still agree. As far as low price guys, where if you're trying to free up cash from someone, like certainly a Targo to a Mulatalo, I would do 10 times over this week. Um, I think that if you're looking to free up cash, that frees up your 100 grand to make a move to Murray from another second row forward like Barnett or whatever. Um, and it also gives you someone that could very much outscore Targo for the next month. So as far as value goes, I like Militale this week. He's going to be a pod, and against the Tigers, um, you know, he scored 87 points with only one try against him in round five. 100% the Sharks are going to put on points versus the Tigers. Uh, I cannot see him not scoring a try. I think that they might play him into form this week, but I did think that last week, and he still only scored 46 against the Dragons, albeit with no try of 46. 100%, mate. Um... So if you're looking between the base base attack between Mulatalo and say Otago, I think they'd be end up being quite similar. Um, and this is also a person that's sort of gone on a bit of a, a drought of try scoring. Um, as you said, his high scores were 
excuse me, a little bit earlier on the round uh, in the season. But this is a player as well that's put on 125 against the Storm. So um, you'd imagine like the pedigree's there um, and that's the type of player that I'd be looking to try and bring in because he's only sitting at about 9% ownership um, or 10%. There you go. Um, but this is the type of player, um, you know, scores 70-odd against your boys. Um, you, you know, like they, this is the calibre of player I'd be looking to bring in. Um, and this is the type of ownership percentage that I'd be looking to bring in over such as a, and selling a Targo to this sort of player. And that's the sort of pod plays um, I'd be looking at. Yep. Another pod play as well in the Sharks back line. This is someone who I didn't like that was a popular trade in oh, six weeks ago. And that was Jesse Ramian. Uh, I didn't like it because I, I don't like owning Jesse Ramian for extended periods of time. He does dumb stuff. He gets suspended. He gets hurt. Uh, it just happens with him. And he doesn't ever sustain the form. Uh, and we saw it because like in round 17 and 18, he went 133 and 99. That was the good Jesse Ramian. And then the next three weeks leading up to last week, he went 48, 36 and 38. And that was the bad Jesse Ramian. You know, it's... um. It's one of those things where you need to jump on him for the runs, and I just didn't like it six weeks ago. Uh, I do like it for this period, though, because he's only got four weeks. Um, The last game is against Newcastle, which is a team that he acrimoniously left to go back to the Sharks. Um, Obviously, the Tigers this week, he could absolutely carve. In round five, he scored 115 points against them, which only included one try in his 115. Uh, And then, as well as that, in the Manly side and the Bulldogs side in between that sandwich, he's got some really nice Jesse Ramian matchups where you could get the good Jesse Ramian games. So he's definitely someone like if I had trades, um, I would be targeting these Sharks outside backs in my center wing. Uh, And Ramian's probably got the better upside at the moment. He's just got like a lot of lower scores that he can hit. But the way Militalo's playing, that is probably the same sort of floor. So I don't like Jesse Ramian as an option normally. I've spoken many times there. I think he's not the best player considering some of his scores. He still does some really dumb stuff. But for this next month, I'm going to go back on all that because it's only a small amount of games and say I probably like Jesse Ramian more than anyone else in the Sharks' back line, uh, outside backs, I should say, not the halves. 100%. Um, big fan. Plus also as well, that'll be the Nicholas Hines side as well, right-hand side, yeah. Um, and so with the... So they've got, is it Trindle in the halves this week? <clears throat> so I'd imagine that um, Hines will be most likely overcalling the ball a uh, fair bit of the time. Obviously been a lot more hands-on. I mean, it does obviously fluctuate both sides, but um, yeah, look, I, I, uh, yeah, I'm not necessarily a fan of Jesse Ramian. Um, I've had him at other stages of the season. Uh, and he is that type of player that will throw up, you know, 540s and then, Two one twenties, and then that's how he ends up with his with his average at the end of the season. But um, yeah, for this this next little block, big fan. Two percent ownership for Jesse Ramian, so he is probably one of the best real pod plays that you can make for this run home. Now with the Sharks draw, two percent, you don't get much better than that on anyone that's super coach relevant. Captaincy for this week, I'm, I'm throwing on Nico Hines. Um, I don't care about all the other options. I had it on Nico last week. I'm not going to waver. I'm going to keep it on him for this week. Playing the Tigers. Scored 117, 117 points against him in round five uh, and just absolutely blitzed him in every way possible. He This this could be an absolute carve-up for Nico. Uh, I don't think that he, we saw his best game last week. He started well, but he didn't play well for the rest of it and he still scored 112. Love him as a captain this week. And the best thing about Nico Hines' captains right now is that everybody 
is off him because everyone's drawn to the big shiny scores of weeks past or Latrell's run at the moment. Months is 147 last week. People aren't as interested in Nico Hines at the moment, which is a great time to strike as your captain against the West Tigers. Yeah, mate. And I believe it was earlier on in the season um, where there was a week where everyone was sort of on the Nico Hines train and I think he might have punched out a 70 or something and people were frustrated with that. Uh, and Chase, the other player that scored the 140 or whatever, um, and then, you know, captaining him that week, I uh, believe it was one of the weeks he punched out a 130 or something to that effect. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big fan and I believe he'll be my VC this week. Good stuff. Well, on top sport, um, the Sharks are only paying $1.30, $1.20 now, sorry, they've jumped down. So pretty low odds, but Mulatalo, $1.65 anytime try. Oh, I'll just jump straight on that. He's well and truly due. Uh, Tigers give up tries to wingers for fun. I, I love that one at $1.65. Broncos, Knights, this isn't one to talk about much. So I'm sorry, Broncos and Knights fans, there just isn't a lot happening. Mem's the eighth most traded out player at the moment. Um, there isn't a lot of team changes in this one either. Payne Haas, sixth most trading player, makes a lot of sense because Joe Tappany is out this week and it makes sense that guys are trading to get a front row forward and Haas is coming in. Uh, one guy that we will focus on for this one before we move on, when we're talking about um, the the pods or bargains uh, or players that you could get in that maybe you've sold before and you've sort of gone off, someone like Selwyn Cobbo, um, he's down to 560000 now, which is, you know, 100k less than what he was a few games ago. Obviously, has had some lower scores come up again, which he's going to be prone to. Had a really good middle of season, uh, but he's playing against a night side that he scored 131 points against in round 11 when he was on fire. The Broncos, I, I'll say outright, I don't like how they've looked at all. Um, I would, I'm really questioning how they're going to finish um, this season um, running into the finals. Uh, they've lost a couple on the trot. They looked poor against the Roosters, who probably should have won by more, but they took the foot off the pedal a little bit. But if you do think that someone like Sel- that someone like the Broncos could fire at home versus Newcastle at Suncourt, which really they should, then Selwyn Cobbo is someone that could go up for a ton uh, this week. I don't like his matchups after that. So it is one of those trades where you either need to have a lot of trades where you're just going to bring someone in for a week and then get rid of them or bench them. Uh, but if you can do that with your team build, um, then he's an option. I personally like the Sharks options better. But if you don't or you already own them, um, I will throw out Selwyn Cobbo as a bit of a, a different uh, left field play that I think a lot of people are off at the moment. He can definitely score a double or more against Newcastle Knights at Suncorp. Yep. Yep, no, he definitely can. And um, if, uh, like, uh, Newcastle don't mind leaking tries out wide um, or up the middle, I guess, all over the park. But, um, you know, um, <laughs> but then at the same token, I'm kind of hoping that uh, Brisbane drop out of the eight. So either way, um, chase your gut on that one. I mean, Sel- Selwyn is one of the players, though, on the Broncos um, that, um, yeah, can certainly go large. If you want to go a different pod play, I'm not, I'm not going to go through the numbers because I spoke about him for a few weeks straight and he was killing it and I want him to slow down. Corey Oates scored doubles three weeks in a row up until a week ago. Um, and he is a, a complete pod play that you could jump in for this week as well. Um, $1.55 and $1.58 for those two wingers to score a try anytime this week on Top Sports. So I love both of those. Raiders Dragons. Big news for Raiders is Joe Tappany is out. Um, and also... We do have Savage back, which is going to help them immensely. Um, but, you know, Tappany is the most trained out player. It makes sense. 
when we're talking about pods and bargains for this one, I think this is where the value is. With Tapanier, there is going to be um, some room for those middle forwards to eat a bit more in the middle of the park. And one of the guys that I do like to look at for their final third of the season, because they always start off a bit slow, is Josh Papali. And he's only 544000 so he's nice and cheap. He's very quietly uh, averaged 53 minutes a game for the last three weeks. And that's a lot more than what he's been doing for that middle part of the season or really any point of the season. His season average um, is at 48. He's playing at least five minutes more than that already. With Tappany out, I wouldn't be surprised if he edges another few minutes and he ends up playing about 57, 58 minutes. He's now playing for the next four weeks at a Dragon's Edge, uh, Dragons, Knights, Manly, and Tigers. Now, granted, you know, the Dragons pack can muscle up sometimes, but they do have Tarek Sims out, so that's one hit that they got. The Newcastle Knights pack can muscle up, but their edges are a bit weak, and the Manly pack can be a bit weak, and the Tigers pack is very weak. So with Tappany out, you know, at least the next week, if not more, and I would suspect he's going to be out for probably two weeks if it's a rib injury that's going to be rib cartilage or something like that. Um, this could be a couple of weeks where probably really does, you know, get extra minutes and extra opportunity. He's already been playing well the last three weeks, 76 average for the last three games. It's a massive pod play, Brad. I'm just throwing it out there as a pod option because obviously Payne Huss is very vanilla. Um, Papa Lee is just a real pod one where you can try and hope that he, he gets a try like he did last week versus the Panthers and scored 74 in a side that only scored six points. No, so I'm a big fan of Josh Papa Lee as well. Uh, back end of the sort of season, he generally likes to find the try line. I generally like to try and put him down as either a first try scorer and any time try scorer, but also as well, uh, don't mind Adam Elliott for the next couple of weeks as well um, with Joe Tappany in the middle minutes roaming around. That's a really good call too. And you really got to look at the opportunity with um, with the guys out at the back end of this season. Uh, the last one I mentioned too is a guy that I did touch on a couple of weeks ago, and that's Hudson Young. Um, I really like the edges that he's playing against. Round 19, I thought he'd go a lot better. Playing the Warriors, he only scored 35. Then we had that Gold Coast game when 125 points went absolutely nuts. Solid 56 last week against Penrith uh, with 46 in raw bases and edge play the last two weeks. He is uh, your pod play in the back row to grab. If you already own guys like Cam Murray, uh, you're not sold on a colour Matangi or you want to go a different way as a pod. Uh, Hudson Young is a pure pod, only a few percent ownership. Dragons, Knights, Manly, Tigers. It is the month of Hudson Young. Uh, so I, I love him for the next month of football. If I had trades and I owned the big, the big hitter second row forwards already, uh, I'd be getting him in. But have you had any looks at, at Hudson Young, mate? Yeah, mate, I was at the game on the weekend, and even against the Panthers pack, um, he he was quite good, um, quite strong in his carries and everything like that. Looks quite involved and, um, yeah, really looked to rip in. So, um, yeah, no, big fan of um, Hudson, uh, quite an aggressive young man and uh, really rips in, so, no, big fan. Uh, top sort better of the week. Raiders are $1.50. Um, it is at GIO at Canberra versus Dragons. Obviously, Ricky's not going to be there. And obviously, Tappany is a big loss, but I think that they're going to muscle up and, and beat the Dragons this week. Uh, $1.50, that's, it's not too bad at odds. It's not sh- too short where you can probably still have a bet and win some money. Uh, just just to add quickly on that, um, just throw in a uh, Josh Papali'i anytime. Josh Papali'i anytime. I like that one if you want a big odds one. He does tend to try and score some tries at the end of the season. Oh, anytime for Josh Papali'i, I reckon it's going to be big odds. 550. 
Throw a 50 on there. Oh, he's on 550. Oh, no. So, yeah, 550, yeah. And Adam Elliott also just quietly um, $7. So big, those, big odds for those guys. Week. I like that. Um, the last game of the round, Titans, Manly. This one's going to throw up some super coach points potentially. Um, but it really depends what teams turn up because these guys either really struggle or really just throw on points everywhere. Uh, the, the team news, Toby Sex has been left out of the 17 again, uh, but they, he might come in late. Um, and for the Seagulls, Josh Alloway returns to the bench um, and Paseca's out, simply starts for him. So nothing that's particularly super coach relevant. Cooler is the 10th most traded out player. Let's talk about market watch for a minute here in this one. Um, I understand people training out cooler. Uh, there's going to be some much more fancied upgrades, but it is one of those weeks where if I owned any manly outside backs, I'd really want to play them. So it might be one of those ones where it makes sense and you sort of think, you know, cooler's gone 36 and 31 the last two weeks. I don't really want to play him. But when you have a look at, you know, the two weeks before that, against depleted opposition, he went 83 and 100. Um, so it's, it's a bit tough. 17, he got 36 for the try last week, though. So I guess I understand people selling him. Um, he does have a break even of 105, so it's kind of hard to hold and then sell because you might lose a lot of money. But he could easily I, – I think that he will go 60-plus this week and he will be quite playable versus the Titans. Yeah, and I think this also could be um, a situation sort of similar to the um, Karaz type situation. I don't think we've seen – the game from Kula that his talent suggests. And it could be a Titans matchup um, or uh, I think they've got the Raiders coming up as well. Um, and the Bulldogs of, as well, the last round. So it, these are these are the type of matchups where I, th- I think one of these sort of games is where we could see that, you know, hat-trick from Karaz type situation and Kula absolutely blitzes it. And then you're just sitting there, um, a little bit disappointed because you sold him because he had 105 break even. I prefer, again, this has come back to one of those situations. If you have like a, a TAS or a, um, uh, a Targo or a May or something like that, I'd prefer to hold, say, a cooler um, with that sort of run. Then, yeah, I mean, because potentially as well, uh, Foz, if he is out injured, I believe the ball will go a lot more a lot more down the right-hand side than, than the left. Yeah, that's a really good point with Foran being out too. So uh, that's a really good one. Um, market watch in. There's two players in this. One of them I will give away. One of them I'm looking at using my last trade of the year for and just going for it and gunning it for the last month without trades. The first one is not he. The first one is Ribbon Garrick, and that is the second most traded in player at the moment. Makes total sense. Um, I hate not owning Ribbon Garrick. He's probably the only heavily owned guy, um, aside from Latrell that's now heavily owned that I don't own and the two that I get worried about hurting me. Um, this is a month of football that I'm really worried about not owning Ruben for. Um, he's a he's a great option this week. Um, I don't even think we need to talk about him. He's probably, as far as points go, um, he's probably the number one centre wing option for this week. Without going into it too much, Brad, would you agree that he'd probably be right up there out of the centre wings for this week as far as points scored? Yeah, 100%, mate. And... Um... Yeah, that could be the, my final trade from Joey Marnie. Yep. DCE, he, he is the guy that I'm looking at spending my last trade on. I've got Cleary sitting there just waiting. And Cherry Evans has been really disappointing lately, but people are starting to jump on, which I'm disappointed about because I sort of thought his last three scores was 32, 46, and 31. Would keep people away. 559,000, he is cheap. 
and he has been playing poorly with a three-round average of 36. However, playing the Gold Coast Titans this week is a huge game for him. It is a must-win for Manly, and this is, again, a really good example. You know, DC is averaging 66 for the year, but before the last three weeks, he was averaging 70-plus, and he can put up the tons. He had two tons in a row, around 16 to 18, before he had three absolute duds. Um, so he can put up the biggest scores. Like we were saying at the start, Brad, DC is someone where you go, look, oh, I personally wouldn't buy him um, six rounds ago because I don't want to own him long-term. But three out of the next four matchups are prime, prime rib matchups. They are the best stake that you can get three out of the next four. Gold Coast Titans, Canberra Raiders and Bulldogs are three out of the next four games. And the Sharks are in there too, which aren't great, but at least it's at home at four pines for him. So I expect DC to fire for the next month of footy. Um, and Manly really have no reason to be resting anyone in round 25 versus the Bulldogs. They're either going to be fighting for a final spot or completely out and just playing their last game before they head off to Bali on the end-of-season trip. So I I really, really like DC for the next month of footy, so much so that I'm looking at trading him in this week to get a piece of that Titans game. Yeah, look, mate, um, I wouldn't you know hold anyone back from trying to trade him in. Last year, um, he won went on the tear of all tears, um, averaging, I think, about 108 for the rest of the season after Origin. Um, when everyone else traded in Jerome Hughes, that was one of the one of the trade-ins that, um, you know, sort of helped me um, propel upwards. Um, and since I have a Jerome Hughes injured um, sitting at my second half-back spot, this also could be the other use of that trade this week. Yeah, I was saying last week on the podcast with all the halfback trades required, um, I had Sam Walker as number one uh, and I had DC as, as round number two, um, definitely above Hughes for me. It's, it's yeah, like I, now with the draw that's left, like I liked Sam Walker's game versus the Broncos last week and I didn't really want to play DC last week. But just the Titans being this week and the crucial head-to-head finals too. Like I, I've got like four head-to-head matchups that I need to win this week to get into potential grand finals still for round 24, I I need to win them. And that Gold Coast game this week, you know, it might just be worth making those type of trades in their head-to-head matchups just to be able to get across the line. So I really like it. Um, and I will also say with DCE, him and Garrick are both going to be potential end-of-round captaincy options that not many teams are going to go for here against the Titans, but they could put up hundreds each. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure that this week... Um, I'll be trading one of the two in and which one I'm not really sure yet. Um, and whichever one it is, we'll be copping the straight C and I'll be VCing Nicholas Hines. Beautiful. I like it. Uh, last thing to talk about on this game, the big second rowers, the Terraways, Ola Kowatu and Fafita. Now, Ola Kowatu has been a little forgotten just because um, he was out and... Then after missing the Chooks game, you know, before that he played 80 minutes for 29 points versus the Dragons. And then after it, he's gone 45 points versus Para. Uh, and he's also only played 66 minutes. He hasn't been playing the full 80 minutes, um, which is a concern. He's been getting yanked off. Um, he's only played 80 minutes twice since round 13. So that is a worry. But in saying that, we spoke about the draw. He's only 587,000 now. Against the Gold Coast Titans' edge, I expect him to get a try. Uh, it's been a few weeks, uh, and I'm—he's another one of those manly players that I'm really worried about not owning Brad. 
But by the same token, you know, we're talking about Manly carving up the Titans. Someone like David Fafita, you know, I've said all year, I really don't like the Titans' edges. I think they're really susceptible. They sort of fixed it a little bit because, you know, guys like Bullimore were there in the start of the year and they were really slow laterally. They were letting in um, a a lot of line breaks um, and they're not there now. So it's definitely stronger. But in saying that, Fafita just hasn't had that bust-out game. And against Manly, um, he did have a big two-try performance last year where he scored 120 points. Uh, I'm wondering whether at home against the Manly side that hasn't been looking good, uh, whether this is the week that he actually gets another try and finally gets a big game in. I'm hoping so. I'm going to play him. And for Fafita's last four games, just quietly, I know he hasn't looked good because I've owned him for a month and it's been a pretty shitty month playing him. But Manly, Dragons, Newcastle, Warriors, that is four currently non-top eight teams that he gets to play. Um, and, you know, all of them, you know, you could argue can let in a lot of points on their edges as well for him to get some uh, tries in. So I'm playing for Fiedel this week. Um, I wouldn't even begrudge anyone buying him, despite how he's looked. Um, he's almost potish. And, you know, he's had still a five-round average of 60, despite how bad he's looked. I, I could easily see him averaging 75 for the final month, and that's going to be value at his price if he can't afford the bigger guns like a Cam Murray. 100%, mate. Um, you know, I would trade them both in, um, you know, if if you could, I guess, you know, like, but a tapping replacement, um, if you don't have a Dave Fafita um, and you already have a Ola Kawatu, um, I really like that. And also, um, yeah, better the week. I'd put them both down as a try anytime. Uh, and I said last year as well, he scored 120 points. Um, it was actually round six this year. So there you go. So he actually did 120 versus last time. It's his highest score of the year was against Manly in round six. So there it is. Look, anytime tries, I like those. But, you know, when we're talking about um, the matchup, $1.47 for the Seagulls, $2.70 for the Titans. Really hard to bet on those, but I think both of those might, you could argue, a value. Um, it's just what Manly side's going to turn up. One of my concerns with spending the trade, and we can finish on this, Brad, you can give me some advice. One of my concerns on spending my final trade on DC is I love the draw, but Manly has just looked terrible lately. So, you know, is there a chance that Manly just play awful and then we don't get any Manly points anyway and it just goes pear-shaped for their season? Because they lose this week, say, in a, in a bit of a barn burner at Seabus Stadium, then they're probably out of finals contention for the last three anyway. You know, is their form lately a concern? Should we be worried about that as buyers? Yeah, look... Their form hasn't necessarily been fantastic, but um, if there's a team that I wouldn't expect to drop off just because they're not necessarily a chance of the eight, um, be a team coached by Des, uh, I think that, you know, it'll be more than at that point, if they're not able to make the eight, it's more going to be Ryder who wants a contract for next year type, type talk. Yep, yep. Well, it's going to be an interesting round nonetheless. There's some really good matchups. And even that last one, even though it's two not, not as good a teams at the moment, it's going to be entertaining for super coach purposes, which is good. That concludes the podcast. Brad, thanks very much for jumping on board. I'm sorry that you're not going to be able to sneak close to top 10 this year, but you're still doing well. You can still finish top few hundred, which is good. Yeah, cheers, mate. Pre- cheers for uh, having us on this round. I mean, it's a tipper's nightmare this round, but um, yeah, good luck, everyone, and good luck for the rest of the season. So hopefully everyone wins their head-to-head finals and uh, goes well in their cash leagues. Good stuff. Thanks, Brad. Um, great guest to have on for this round. Great to have everyone listening to the Supercoach episode this week, but we've also got Talking Footy at the end of the week. Don't forget that'll hit on Friday. If you want to look at any of the podcasts, stream or download or follow us on the um, to get the episode straight away, 
iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, Audible. We're everywhere. You can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And you can also jump on our sponsor, topsport.com.au. Create an account today. Use the promo code SC All Stars so they know you're one of our listeners and they'll take great care of you. Final month of footy. Good luck this week. It's going to be pivotal for head-to-head players, pivotal for overall players as well. Can't wait to talk about more Supercoach next week for the next TLT episode. Good luck for the round, everyone. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get 